Hey guys, it's Abdul for the good folks over at Leon Tailoring, 809 North Delaware, downtown Indianapolis. Now, Leon Tailoring is also well-known, we all know, for their tailor-made clothes, but you also know they're ready for their custom-made and ready-made clothing as well. That's right, clothes that are right there on the rack that you can buy and pick up, and they'll make the alterations included in the price. So swing on by Leon Tailoring. And of course, then you know, if they want something tailor-made specifically just for you, then they can do it. So whether it's tailor-made, whether it's ready-made, or whether it's custom-made, it is for you and you specifically. So swing on by Leon Tailoring. They'll be happy to see you and happy to take care of you. Leon Tailoring, 809 North Delaware in downtown Indianapolis. Um, Kevin, if you want any time, if you want to go ahead and get started, we have several people online now. Great. Good morning, everyone. Thank you for taking the time to join us. Um, as you know, things are ramping up <clears throat> here in the second half of the session. Um, I just give you a little insight uh, into the, the, um, the lives and the activity of uh, an advocacy a lobbying organization. Um, about an hour ago, I got uh, a text message from one of my team members saying that a, a bill that we strongly opposed that had passed the House, um, not of great broad consequence, uh, that the chairman had informed the author that the, um, the bill was not going to be heard. And so we had a, a brief celebration on that. Uh, only to find out right before I got on this call that the bill has now been amended in the Senate, in a, into a Senate bill. And so we're back um, having to deal with it. So we're, this is the time of the session <clears throat> from here on out where things get very interested, interesting and you have to really keep track of uh, things and uh, even a, a bill that you oppose, you think is not going anywhere in one, one sense is, uh, can easily pop up somewhere else. Um, I want to start by, I'm going to go through uh, kind of where we are on different issue areas of, of importance to the business community uh, this morning, and then we'll open it up to questions. Um, start by saying that um, we were disappointed last year with the, the lack of, of really focus and attention on what we think is the key area of needed attention in our state, and that's education and workforce. We've built a great tax climate, regulatory climate, business climate, uh, but according to a lot of metrics, we're, we're trailing in post-secondary attainment, uh, participation by minority populations and achievement by minority populations. And so we put together a white paper that we shared with legislators every time we saw them and met them over the, the summer and the fall called Indiana's Leaking Talent Pipeline. And it talked about things like, you know, poor 21st century scholars enrollment and uh, having one of the lowest FAFSA filing rates and the, you know, that only 30% of our third through eighth graders passed iLearn um, in both math and English and uh, our declining college going rate, et cetera, et cetera. And we're quite, um, Please, that it seems that message got through because there are any number of bills that address different aspects of the deficiencies that we had identified um, in that white paper. And uh, I acknowledged that last night at our legislative dinner. And now our task is to help them get a, a number of these things across the finish line. So that's where I'd like to start. Um, and I thought I was there. Um, there are at least three bills um, that 
1201, 1414, and Senate Bill 35 that would require a financial literacy course be taken um, in high school. We think that that focus has fallen off the, the map as we've you know, changed curriculum and sort of the business education um, has gone by the wayside. Another one that we talked about in, in our white paper was um, the abuse of graduation waivers. Um, schools can give waivers to um, students who don't fully meet the requirements for graduating from high school, but uh, to boost up their graduation rates, they give them a waiver. And we've had some school districts, including uh, two in Marion County, that have waiver rates that are in excess of 25% of all the students who received a regular high school diploma did so with a waiver. And so this bill uh, would limit that. And there was, uh, there was a similar house bill earlier in the session. Um, Senate Bill 167 is something we've worked on for uh, five years now. And we're hoping that the fifth time is the charm. And that is creating an expectation, not a mandate, but an expectation that all students uh, and their families complete the FAFSA form, the Federal Application for Free Student Aid. Um, there would be an opt-out, and that's why it's not a mandate. Uh, it could be done by the parents or it could be done by school officials if the, the family is not responding. But we have one of the, uh, we have the lowest FAFSA filing rate in the Midwest and one of the lowest in the country. And there was uh, a report presented to the uh, uh, legislative committee last year that uh, found that uh, Hoosier families left as much as $65 million in, in student aid for post-secondary education, not just college, but also um, certificates, certifications, uh, associate's degree, and you need to fill out the FAFSA uh, for the, to access monies from the Next Level Jobs Program. Um, the tide seems to be turning that this sort of matches an old adage uh, that I uh, have often said about the General Assembly and heard years ago, and that is sometimes good ideas take three or more years to pass and bad ideas only take one. Um, so we're pleased with the, the progress there. Uh, likewise, um, House Bill 1365 tightens up the, um, the graduation pathways. Uh, right now, there are three different ways that you can meet the graduation pathways requirements, which apply to uh, this year's seniors. This will be the first class. Uh, the legislation has been on the books for several years now, and, and we've known that this year's senior class has to have uh, a work and learn experience. Uh, a couple other ways to meet that requirement, one of which is to take the military entrance exam and uh, lo and behold, it looks like a lot of, lot of schools are directing kids there because that's an easy way to check the graduation pathways box. And there was data presented in committee that said that um, Indiana has the highest um, uh, rate of taking that military exam. And it's not because we've got the highest rate of, <clears throat> of uh, young people going into the military. It's because they're taking that exam to check this graduation pathways box. That's not what graduation pathways is intended to do. It was intended to get kids out into the community, uh, having a uh, work and learn experience with an employer. And, uh, and so this bill seeks to, uh, to tighten that up. 
Of course, one of the big uh, bills outside of the budget impacting education is House Bill 1002, uh, which we're very supportive of. And we've been working uh, since the first day of session uh, to help make that bill uh, more workable um, and uh, in terms of expanding work-based learning opportunities. And that bill creates a career scholarship account for on-the-job training and post-secondary training to earn credentials while you're in high school. And the House budget funded those at uh, $5,000 per student that participates in that program. Um, we're also supporting House Bill 1160, which increases workforce training for TANF welfare recipients and makes them more attractive to employers because it reimburses the employers for both the training and the onboarding costs. Uh, and so this is um, part of our challenge, addresses part of our challenge, and it was in our white paper again, that uh, we need to, to raise the workforce participation rate uh, to fill. We have 100,000 open jobs in Indiana. Currently, we have more job openings than we have job seekers. And um, this is a way to get folks who are not currently in the workforce um, back and working and, and earning uh, their incomes. Uh, 1449, you've heard a lot about. That is um, something that we really brought to light uh, with our, our white paper. Uh, and that has to do with the 21st century scholars. Last year of the um, income eligible students for these free post-secondary scholarships from 21st century scholars, less than half of the eligible students enrolled, got enrolled in the program. And of those, it was only about 40%. And of those less than half uh, actually did the three activities that you have to do to be on track to earn that scholarship when you graduate. So rather than uh, an opt-in as current law is, House Bill 1449 uh, authored by Representative Earl Harris from Northwest Indiana would automatically enroll all eligible students. And then if they or their parents choose, they can, they can opt out. Um, moving on to the uh, area of the environment. There are two key bills uh, that are important to the business community that the Chamber's working on. One is Senate Bill 155, which would give IDEM the authority to increase air permitting fees. For certain, the Chamber is not normally in the business of um, supporting fee increases or tax increases. But in this case, IDEM has received a letter, very threatening letter from the federal EPA um, saying that the program does not uh, currently meet their standards, there's more funding that is needed, and if uh, we don't fix things according to, in their eyes, EPA will take over our air permitting program, and we, the business community, absolutely don't want that. We would much rather deal with IDEM than deal with EPA, where the, the, um, the length of time to get permits and uh, resolve issues is much, much longer. Uh, EPA is serious about this. They've actually taken over the air permitting programs in uh, several other states, including our neighbor to the West, Illinois. So this bill would address that and we're supporting it. Uh, the other in the big bill in the environmental area is Senate Bill 246, which has to do with the excess liability trust fund. That is a fund that is used to clean up um, abandoned properties that have leaking underground storage tanks. Uh, there's an add-on fee 
um, and, and so it's a dedicated fund. That fund has grown uh, to be quite large. And uh, whenever we have a dedicated fund that has uh, perceived to have a lot of money in it, that's when legislators and others want to tap those funds for other purposes. Uh, but we have said and support this bill, which says, okay, let's expand the use of the fund, but keep it in the, the um, realm of, of leaking storage tanks. And so this bill allows the fund to be used for above ground um, storage tanks uh, in addition to underground tanks. So that's uh, very important to us. Um, in the area of employment law and labor, uh, the bill that we were focused on, Senate Bill 330 has been defeated. Uh, that would have required any employer working on a publicly funded project um, or a tax advantage pro project, think TIF projects, would have had to submit all their wage information to that unit of government on a weekly basis. Um, and then because you're submitting it to a unit of government, that data would have been um, um, public, uh, open to the public and a, a big burden on employers. Um, but we were able to stop that bill before it got voted on in the Senate. The other bill that is still alive that we're following is, is House Bill 1343, which uh, requires the Occupational Licensing, Professional Licensing Agency to do a complete review uh, to make sure that all the requirements for various occupational licenses um, serve a legitimate public objective. Uh, we know that over the years, different groups have said, hey, we want uh, to be licensed uh, that restricts supply, uh, in, helps them increase prices, but doesn't always serve a legitimate public purpose. So um, we're going to look at that as well. In the important area of tax and fiscal policy, um, in House Bill 1001, you have an acceleration of the income tax phase down. Uh, that benefits not only individuals, but uh, also all the uh, small businesses that function as pass-through entities where the business income tax liability is paid on the individual income tax returns of the owners and shareholders. This will be a point of discussion and contention and debate between the House and Senate budget negotiators, but we're following that very closely. And then a very important to us is um, House Bill 1499. That's the property tax relief bill that Representative Thompson has um, put forth. Uh, Primarily, that bill provides property tax relief to residential property owners by lowering the 1% cap to 0.9% uh, for several years and then phases that back up. Uh, that reduces the, um, not the revenues to local government, but the rate of growth of their revenues from about 10% projected to about 6%. So they still get a healthy increase on average. Um, that's the way we would prefer to see the relief provided versus shifting property tax burden uh, to other classes of property tax payers. I ran into uh, Senator Holdman last night at our legislative dinner, and he said he had just been in discussion and initial negotiations with Representative Thompson on this bill. Uh, it appears the Senate is less, is, is wanting to take more of a wait and see approach and get some real hard data rather than trying to do things off of projections um, as, the, as the House had to do early in the session. Um, so that's what's going on in the, in the tax and fiscal policy area that is of interest to us. 
moving to housing, we have heard more about from employers about challenges with employee housing um, and the availability uh, in the last couple of years than almost any other topic other than, than workforce needs. Um, and we're pleased to see that there are three important bills in that area. Uh, House Bill 1005, which is a house priority bill, creates a residential housing infrastructure assistance program. Um, that would provide loans to local units to provide the assistance to support new housing development and construction. Senate Bill 300, offered by uh, Senator Rogers, expands uh, the use and the availability of residential TIF to help spur um, construction and, and building of new housing. And then Senate Bill 339 um, is an attainable home tax credit for individuals or, or companies that make contributions to nonprofit organizations like Habitat for Humanity that are in the housing space. Uh, moving quickly to local government, um, several bills of interest and importance. And I think this um, continues a trend uh, going all the way back to the current Shepherd report uh, of looking at trying to reform and improve uh, local government, particularly at the township level. Um, and that starts with House Bill 1035. Um, several years ago, the Chambers helped spearhead a move to eliminate township assessors and move that responsibility up to the county level. Back at that time, we had 1,008 township assessors who were each trying to interpret the assessment manual and, and as a result, providing um, different assessment uh, theories and, and um, services that were just completely inconsistent. Um, legislation eliminated all but 13 of the larger township assessors. Uh, that was the compromise back at the time. House Bill 1035 would require a referendum in those communities uh, to vote as to whether to retain or remove those remaining township assessors, and we're supporting that legislation. Um, House Bill 1040 really addresses a problem where um, we have a number of units of government, uh, towns, but particularly townships, that just don't keep their records very well or at all, their financial records. And so the State Board of Accounts literally cannot audit them as required by law because the, the information is not there or it's not in a form that is auditable. Uh, this requires that they, they keep those records uh, audible and if not, um, they can be put on a published list of non-compliant local units and uh, ultimately uh, there can be interventions. Uh, House Bill 10, 1330, 1355, excuse me, is the bill we're supporting, um, kind of ties back to the Kern and Shepherd report uh, that would create a township merger pilot in three counties, Blackbird, Crawford, and Switzerland. Those are small population counties where uh, it really just doesn't make sense to have multiple townships. Um, and then House Bill 1438 is one we're supporting uh, that would bring our uh, process of issuing public notices into the 21st century uh, by eliminating the requirement that they be published in newspapers but rather could be published electronically and posted on a website. We are still 
uh, involved and concerned uh, in, in about House Bill 1008. Um, and that's the um, what we call the anti-ESG investing for our public pension funds. Uh, we do support Senate Bill 292 that Senator Holman has that uh, simply codifies the current investment practices of NPERS. Um, that'll be another uh, battleground uh, between the House and, and Senate majorities. Um, and then, of course, there is the, um, the budget bill, and there is a number of things that we're interested in there, particularly with respect to IEDC and IDDC. Um, and we support the uh, recommendations and requests there on uh, both the Ready 2.0, the Manufacturing Readiness Grant. This helps medium and small manufacturers um, obtain support for modernizing their equipment, going to automation, using artificial intelligence, et cetera. Uh, so it creates that matching fund. Um, we also support the IEDC's recommendation for a $600 million deal closing fund um, over the biennium, as well as the site acquisition fund and making the IEDC tax credits refundable as the governor proposed, but was not included in the house budget. Um, let me stop there and offer to answer any questions, but I hope you get the sense that there are a lot of bills, a lot of activity across a wide range of, of issue areas uh, that the chamber's involved in and that are important to the business community and uh, a lot to be accomplished in these remaining six weeks. Okay, we'll open up for questions. I actually have two in the chat oh, okay. from, from Ed. I'll go ahead and take one of those, then we'll alternate, see if anyone else has a question. Sure. Uh, Yes, on the air permit fee issue, some members of the Senate committee on appropriations this week seem concerned that IDEM is so fee-based and is seeking a fee increase, which we support, which um, the chamber supports. They mm -hmm. seem to believe that the state should kick in more general fund dollars instead of relying so much on fees. What are your thoughts on this? Well, um, uh, I did not um, have a chance to see that that hearing during um, IDEM's um, budget presentation. Uh, but you know, if the General Assembly wants to kick in general fund revenue, um, then we certainly uh, would be fine with that um, because right now it's all, it's all funded by um, the, um, the permit fees. I think the traditional thought is, is that um, this is kind of a user fee uh, situation where those that need and, and utilize and obtain those permits would be the ones to pay for them. Uh, this would sort of be a change in philosophy, but um, you know, it, it wouldn't cost the business community as much. So it's, it's you know, hard to oppose that, I suppose. Does anyone else have a question? Let's see, we have a couple here. Yeah. Leslie, go right ahead. Awesome. Um, well, thank you for A, the summary and B, I've got two questions, but the first one is just um, any thoughts on bills uh, still around on alcohol? There's a, a general matters bill. There's one on mixed beverages and one on the like craft beverage council. Mm -hmm. um, we are following those. Uh, Greg Ellis is our, our point person um, on those issues, but there are really not any bills alive that 
um, we have a strong interest in or, or a policy position on. Those are um, certainly lesser bills when you compare them to say Sunday alcohol sales from, from a few years ago. Mm -hmm. Awesome, thanks. Yeah, what else? Um, my second question was about Senate Bill 9. Um, you know, some sort of limitations on when utilities can retire their old coal plants. Um, curious mm -hmm. if you have any concerns about, you know, the IURC getting involved in that. Oh, and I wish I had my legislative agenda in front of me. Um, let me let me do this on that question. Um, that's a, a Greg Ellis is, is following that. L let me get with him and have him reach out to you. If that's all right. Okay. Yeah, sounds great. Thanks. Ed has another question. Does anyone else have anything else they would want to ask before we go to that question? If not, okay. His second question was, any thoughts about the Indiana Supreme Court potentially weighing in on the abortion ban late in session? Do you think that a ruling um, there might that might overturn any part or all of the ban might change the tone of the session and lead to legislation that could disrupt or derail the chamber's priorities or other um, legislation? Yeah. Well, let me first say that we do not um, have a policy position on, on the, the abortion legislation that, that passed in the special session last summer or that issue. Um, but if there was such a, a ruling uh, near the end of the session, then um, that certainly would likely cause some attention to be um, focused there. And um, as I've learned in my 43 legislative sessions now, the, the most important and, and scarce resource that the General Assembly has during session is how they choose to spend their time. Um, and so it is certainly possible that um, the attention could shift um, to that issue, potentially at the expense of, of other uh, bills and, and other uh, issues that we or other organizations are, are interested in. And so we'll be watching that very carefully and, um, and trying to look ahead as, as you are doing uh, with your question, Ed. Okay, is there any other questions? Are there any other questions for Kevin? If not, please, uh, Kevin, if you would give anything you wanted to say in summary, and we'll close. Um, I would just observe that um, there are a lot of bills uh, relating to a lot of different important issues, both uh, many uh, of interest and uh, in priority to the business community. Uh, others outside of that, that are still uh, they're still pending. There are some areas where the House and Senate are, are going to have to come together. Uh, some of those in the budget area, some in the tax and fiscal policy, also with this pension investment bill. So uh, there is a lot of work yet to be done. Um, and uh, we're certainly going to remain very vigilant and um, work with those and, and try to get as many of the positive bills across the finish line um for the benefit of our members so um stay tuned it's going to be uh, i think a very interesting and active ride here in the last six weeks so thanks again for joining us everyone indeed thank you for joining us we'll resume 
of this next week. And if any of you need the recording to this, I believe I gave all of you permission to record locally, but just email me and I'll be happy to send the file. Thank you and have a good rest of your day. Yes. This podcast was produced and edited by Chris Spangle and Leaders and Legends, LLC. If you're interested in starting a podcast or taking yours to the next level, please contact us at leadersandlegends.net.